Uh, hello. Oh, I love stories. I love any story, whether it's a miraculous one in our opinion <laughs> or just how God enters into our mundane. Isn't it crazy to know that our God cares about all of it? It's good news for us because we're living in the midst of all of it. I recently was at a brunch, a normal uh, hangout with my family, and I had some new friends there, and we were just telling silly stories from high school. Not sure why, but my mom turns to me and says, tell that one story. I said, Mom, I can't. She says, please do. I said, okay. And then I did. It's a silly story because it involves toilet papering. Remember that? In fact, I distinctly, the story is so silly for so many reasons. In fact, it involves me meeting a new friend in high school who admitted to me that she had never been toilet papered. And I, at the moment, felt kind of bad about it. Like, oh, it's sad a little bit. And then I, you know, asked her why. And she said, oh, because I live in a gated community. So we stopped feeling bad for her. And then... I remember calling up my neighbors. I called up my neighbor, Shayla, and I said, are you in? And then I called up my neighbor, Colin. Little context to Colin. Colin does not know Jesus and honestly doesn't have interest in Jesus whatsoever, but we've hung out since we were kids, and he's the type of guy that you, you call when something like this happens. So I called him, told him the details. Again, let me tell you about Colin. Colin's the guy that dressed up as a sailor to my sister's wedding so he could show up, cuss up a storm, and be a living idiom. This is Colin <laughs> with the mouth of a sailor. You see, this is Colin. He also would, uh, during block parties, he'd fill up the back of his van with a plastic tarp and then fill it with hot water and say, anyone's welcome to his hot tub. This is Colin. So when I call and say, there's a poor girl who's never been, he's like, I'm in. So this is Colin. So we begin the adventure, of course, 11 o'clock PM. We roll up to the security gate of the gated community. And you can imagine the guy's skeptical, right? Of Colin and his van. And so he says, you know, oh, why are you here? And we're like, oh, it's our friend's birthday. And we're here to surprise her, you know? And oh, actually, you know, here's our perfectly neatly wrapped present we brought for her. And the guy's like, oh yeah, you know, let me just call the house. I'm like, oh, don't bother. Don't bother. Here. Look, it's her, mom's, it's her mom's number. Why don't you just go ahead and make a call? And he proceeded to talk to Shayla in the back of the van. And within one minute, the gate lifted and Colin was like, yes. So we begin. Now I'm telling this story at brunch and it was this moment in the story that my dad starts talking. He goes, oh my goodness, this was the craziest part. When the, you know, the toilet paper starts getting flung and then suddenly the pew, pew, member, And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah. Remember? And then suddenly the, you know, the police roll up and Colin yells to all of us, let's get in the van. Remember? I'm like, I do. Cause, cause I was there, you know, <laughs> you're just using the word we, and I'm a little confused. And so he continues telling the story like a first person storyteller. He goes, yeah, yeah, I was there because I was in the back of the van. And we were like, wait, what? See, my family had heard me tell this story, and now me, my mom, and my sister are no longer listening to me. We're turning to my dad confused because, friends, <clears throat> he wasn't there. We're like, is he messing? Are you confused? So were we. So were we. We're like, is he messing? He's messing with us, right? He's messing. And he continues. He's laughing harder than anyone else. He's telling it with suspense like a true first-person storyteller. Our minds are spinning because he wasn't there, but he fully entered in. By the way, now we have a family joke that anytime someone tells a really familiar story, you're more than welcome. Just, you know, insert yourself into it. It's real fun. You should try. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is my dad in that story entered in and he felt all the feelings. I mean, he was laughing harder than I was. 
He was telling the suspenseful moments better than I, to be honest, ever could. Because he fully entered it, and I was thinking about how hard that is to do. When someone else is speaking or telling a story, sometimes it's hard to enter in. It's almost like we sit back and we go, good for them. Or that's interesting for them. And I believe Jesus calls us to more. How do I know this? Because he modeled entering in first. And he did it perfectly. In fact, because there was such a separation, he fully entered into the story, fully God, fully man, and walked among us. You see, anytime you hear the name Jesus brought up, there is power because not only could he do anything, he chose to do that. He chose to enter into our story so that we could have relationship with him. In fact, and it doesn't just stop there, he also can have the type of relationship where he understands. Do you know this? Have you, um, have you ever felt betrayed? He understands that. Have you ever felt the weight of temptation. Oh, he understands that too. Have you ever felt like your, friend, like your friends just fell asleep on you? Huh? Oh, he gets that one as well. See, our God, Jesus, entered in fully into the story. He feels all the feels. He experienced the temptation, but he did it perfectly. He didn't fail at it. In fact, when we find ourselves at the passage for today in John chapter 15, he wants to give us the key to how he did it. He is about, right, this context of this passage is he's just about to go to the cross on our behalf. But before he does, he gathers his crew and says, pay attention. See, I understand. I fully entered in and I know the key to doing it well. In fact, I know the key to true life. And that's why he gives us John chapter 15. Pay attention, friends. When someone knows they're gonna die, they're very careful with their words. And Jesus himself was absolutely careful and purposeful in his as he said this to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And I love imagining Jesus entering into our story. So when he tells us harsh realities, like the fact that there will be pruning in this life, he knows it full well. He's saying, I get you. You may have walked into church this morning having experienced pruning, a cutting back of things you thought was once really beautiful. And now it's lying on the floor. I love that Jesus knows reality because he entered in. He knows humanity. He entered in and he says, there will be that. But there's also good news. There's purpose to it. He says this, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, right off the bat, he says, I'm gonna tell you who our God is. I'm gonna let you know of some harsh realities. There will be pruning. 
but there's purpose to it. So he gives a promise right after he tells us about the harsh realities that we will face. He says this, there's a point. I want what's best for you. Because that's what the gardener's job is, right? To bring out the best. Jesus wants what's best for you. Even if it means cutting back the things that you thought were the best for you. He says, no, 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 it's me. And I tell you what, if you remain, remain means abide or dwell or endure or be present with. If you remain in me, here's a promise. I'm gonna remain in you too. Which means this church, would you receive the words of Jesus this morning? You are not as alone as you feel. Jesus is saying, endure with me and I'm gonna be in it with you. You don't have to go through it alone. And then he says, let me tell you your part as he continues saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. I just met a guy named Tim and he was really excited about being a branch. And I thought about what a freedom. And when you know your part and you don't have to play another one, it's really freeing. <laughs> he says, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. He will live with purpose. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. And if you remain in him, you will. Apart from me, though, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love Jesus' posture in this. And the reason I think I know his posture is this. Because he keeps using this word, if, when it comes to hanging out with him. He says, if you hang out with me, life, fruit, purpose. If you remain in me, I am in it with you. He just keeps saying this word, if. Do you know what word he doesn't use? Should. And I don't know about you, but there's been seasons of my life where I almost assumed when Jesus is telling us to hang out with him that it's like this, arms crossed, you should spend more time with me. <laughs> have you heard it? You should pray more. Have you heard it? I have some good news. If you've been hearing the word should when it comes to intimacy with the Father, that's not his voice. His voice is not one of obligation. His voice is one of invitation. He takes his arms crossed and never crosses them. In fact, he puts it on a cross and his invitation looks a lot more like this. I'm in it with you. You are not alone. And for those of you that know that but haven't received it in a very long time, would you receive? You're not alone. And if you hang out with me, you'll even begin to experience things that are beyond you. I have a purpose for you. I have life for you, but you have to get it through me. And I love that he starts off the whole conversation letting us know that we gotta play the right part. He says, I am the vine, my father is the... And this is so key for us, especially in today's day, because I think we try to play the part of the gardener all the time. What's the gardener? The gardener's the one who owns the vineyard, a.k.a. the gardener's the one in control. What comes to mind when you even think of that word control? 
Anxiety, anyone? And since page three of God's word, we've been trying to have control. And and how do I know that it's in us? Because I never taught my three-year-old to grab something and shout, mine. (laughs) He just did that one on his own. And here's the weird thing, church. And I say this not to push you down. I say this to make you aware. I don't think we've grown out of it. We become 20s, 30s, 50s, 70s, 90s, and we're still grasping for control. Think about it. Where have you been grasping? If I'm honest, for me, it's my kids. You hold them, and their little decisions are a reflection of you, aren't they? I can't imagine when they become adult children, some of you. (laughs) But some of you aren't laughing because you're holding them so tight. Or maybe it's not your kids. Maybe for you, it's your body. It's mine. But God, it's mine. I get to control it. I get to choose if I starve it or if I overindulge it. It's mine. Or maybe it's your job, your future. It's mine. I worked for it. I slaved for it. I put in the hard work. How did they, how did they get the promotion? It's mine. I deserve it. Or maybe it's church. It's my church. It should look the way I want it. Things are changing and I don't like it. It's mine. It's mine. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus in John 15 is looking at all of us and saying, my child, it's not yours. My child, they're not yours. He's not yours and she's not yours. And you're not even yours. But I tell you this, and imagine the posture difference. When God were, if God were to hand you something, opportunity, a job, a kid, a spouse, a friend, uh, anything, how do you carry it? It wouldn't make sense to close your fist. You open up your hands to carry it. Yes, it doesn't mean you just ignore responsibility. You just suddenly have it with more of an open hand. God, what do you have for me to help out this kid you gave me? What do you have for me for my future? But I'm gonna look to you as my source. And if you do, you'll find life in all of it. If you don't, you'll experience what it feels like to wither. And he says, I want what's best for you. I'm the gardener. I'm already in control. You can let me play my part. I'm pretty good at it. But then immediately he says, I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. There's going to be pruning. But I got to picture this. When I imagine a branch and I imagine something needing to be cut back, I can only picture that our gardener is closest to the branch when he's pruning it. So if you are in that season, would you hear me loud and clear? You are not alone. Abide in him. He will abide in you. And what happens when suddenly the sustenance cannot come through the things you're trying to produce? It forces you to rely on the stem like never before. And that might be the very thing he has, the thing you feel out of control in life. I'm here to say, good, because it's time not to play that part. In fact, he tells us in verse five what our part is. It's a pretty good part. Verse five, he says, I am the vine and you are the Branches, the branches are not the gardener. The branches are also not the vine for someone else. There are people that are gonna wanna connect to you for life. In fact, I experience this a lot where people, 
and myself included, would almost, it's much easier to tack on to someone else's faith, isn't it? Let me watch that video, be inspired by that podcast, and really be immersed by their faith. Friends, I'm here to let you know, as a branch, you can connect to the true source of life yourself. And Jesus is inviting it. He's saying, come to me. Don't come through someone else. No, they're not a vine. Come to me, Jesus says, and I am. In fact, he says, you are a branch. You're not called to be the fix for anyone else. So if you've been trying to fix someone, open up your hands. He's got them. But he might want to use you. And I believe he will the minute you open up your hands and stop trying to play the wrong part. He says, you're a branch. But I also have to have a warning for us branches. You see, especially in church, I believe the counterfeit to bearing good fruit is pretense. See, I think we can learn how to do all the things, speak all the lingo, sing all the hallelujahs, and then at the same time experience no real power and bear no eternal fruit. And I think he's getting at that. He's seen people that are starting to serve him. He sees you serving him, and yes, he loves it. But hear this. He has a great source of power for you, and it's found not in you. It's found in him through you. Very different. You see, our hearts can remain self-centered, angry even, and joyous, joyless, even while doing the work for God. In fact, you can't even bear fruit on your own, he says it. You can't. It's so crazy, I was sitting here with his word and going, okay, I gotta come up with an illustration for this. I gotta come up with a good one. And then I just realized he already did. So we're set. Uh, Since he's Jesus and all, we'll let his go. Okay, so he says this is us. It's so crazy because you can't really tell, but it's even since yesterday when it was chopped down, it was a lot healthier yesterday. You couldn't, and maybe even from a distance, you can't even really tell that it's not connected by the way it looks. And I fear that that's true for us. That people can't really tell if it's been a while. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus does not push you down in guilt. He's just inviting you to say, you don't have to live without me anymore. I'm right here. Connect to me. I don't want you in a church. I don't want you just to get busy for God. I want you to be intimate with him. Because we can get busy. We're good at it. We're good at it. In fact, watch this. And we know all the things that are supposed to produce life. Our world screams it. If we're a branch, how do you get life? You, you go outside. You get some sun. That's good, right? And then you take the water and then you pour it on the branch. Nothing. Okay. It's okay. I'm going to keep trying harder. I'm going to grab the, the, the necessary things. I'm going to do all the necessary things. And friends, do all the necessary things. But watch this, because if you're not connected, absolutely nothing changes to the branch. And some of you have not been experiencing true power and real change. And I'm here to tell you, it might be because you've been connected elsewhere. And Jesus is inviting you to reconnect with him. And friends... Some of you may be connected with him a long time ago. Praise God for the miracle of salvation. Some of you never have, and I'm here to say he's inviting you in. And maybe some of you gave your life a long time ago, and he's saying, come back. Make this the day. Make summer at Willow a time that changes you. But it's not because of your efforts. It's because of him and his word directly to you that says, come hang out with me. Abide in me. 
I'm going to do the work in you. How do we know that? Because verse 1 and verse 5, Jesus keeps reiterating the same thing. And because back then they didn't use bold italics or underline. (laughs) They always used repetition. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Verse 5, he says it again. I am the vine. Why does he keep saying this? Here's why. Because the audience knew what he was referring to. See, back then, anytime the phrase or the word vine was mentioned, it was referencing the Old Testament people, children of God, Israel. He was, anytime vine was referenced in the Old Testament, it always kind of had this banner of failure. See, because I have a feeling you can sit here and say, okay, yeah, 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 I can reconnect. Okay, yeah, 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 God wants to do something with purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't know me, and you don't know my past. You don't know the different ways that I, the reasons why I've opted myself out of what God's up to. You don't know me, and I get to say, I don't, but he does. And he's coming to you and saying, here's the deal. You, just like Israel, yes, you were supposed to bear fruit. That was the point. Israel, you were supposed to bear fruit. In fact, in the Old Testament, God's wrath was coming, but Jesus walks on the scene. He enters into our story and says this, I know what you think of when you hear vine, because you think of yourself and you think of failure. And I'm here to tell you that any area of failure, any banner of your life, anything you've put this little banner that says failure over, Jesus enters in and says, that's why I came. I am the true vine. You see, Jesus rescues our failure by fully entering into our mess and making it possible to live fruitful lives again. But this time it's attached to him. See, Jesus accomplished what his people failed to achieve and he offers them to receive what only he deserved. That's life. Do you see it? You didn't earn it. You can't have enough quiet times to deserve it. You deserve separation, but that's why he entered in and says, I am what you weren't, and I give it away to you. Come in me. Find your life in me, and I'll give you my life in return. Is this good news for you this morning? And if you're sitting in church today curious about what this might look like, I love that Jesus tells us one more reason why he came in this passage, why he fully entered into our stories in verse nine. He says, as the father has loved me, pause right there. Have you ever imagined how much God the father loves his son Jesus? Take a second. The only word that comes to mind for me is perfectly. (laughs) Perfect. Let's continue the verse. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain there. Remain in this place where you know that you're loved. Hang out there. The same love that God the Father loved his son with, his son goes, I love you. And I, I, Megan, wish I could convince you of that love. But praise God, he's already doing the work. You are very loved. You are very loved. I know you have that banner. You're very loved. You're very loved right there. Not the future version of you in one week while you take this message, when you take this message seriously. Nope, just now. 
Not a year ago, not six months ago, not that one time at that one camp. Nope, friends, you are very loved. And then if you're curious about what it looks like to remain in his love, the very next verse gives us even more so how. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain. The key to the message is obedience. And that's not very popular though. In fact, later on, if I were to keep reading, you get to verse 17 where it says this, this is my command, go love each other. And to be honest, about five years ago, I preached a similar, not actually, I didn't go into the gardener stuff. I preached a message on John 15 and the whole message was now go love people. And I thought it was a pretty good message if I do say, anyways. So uh, he says, now go love. But I realized something, I missed it. I missed verse 10. He says, no, 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 don't just go love, obey me. I'll call you to love, but obey me. And let me show you the difference. I work for a, a, a church and we, I run a young adult ministry and I have two volunteers who are in their 70s. Pat is my first one. She is wonderful. She freshly bakes goods and brings them every week. So everyone really loves Pat. And then Pat also always gives away grandma hugs and makes sure that she's the praying grandmother for any student that doesn't have one. That's Pat. By the way, never underestimate the power of a praying grandma. You know what I mean? Did anyone else have a praying grandmother? It is the best. And so that's Pat. Then there's Norm. No, Norm is a retired Coca-Cola truck driver. He is just as rugged and blue collar as they come. And his email address is norminator at something.com. And I'm like, norminator, I want to meet this guy. So he shows up to my office and I'm like, why do you want to hang out with young adults? And he goes, I got two, two reasons why. I'm like, okay, tell me, so specific. Okay. And he goes, uh, reason number one, I want to encourage these boys to become men. Because when I was their age, I just needed a little bit of encouragement to become a man. And I was like, wow, cool, Norm. And, I, and he goes, number two, I got to make sure that they got the gospel in their guts. So I'm just going to keep telling it to them until they believe it. I'm like, I like that. You're hired to volunteer for free. So... Come on over, Norm. Come on over, Norm. And so all as I say, they just start showing up. And what I started to realize with Norm is the way he lives his life, he says the phrase, and then I told him the gospel as often as, hi, how are you? This is Norm. And I'm so, I was so enthralled by it. He's like, and then I was at Target and I told him the gospel. I'm like, who though? And, you know, and he's like, and then I was in line and I just realized I told him the gospel. I'm like, of course you did. And so one point I said, Norm, can you just stand up in front of the group and just tell, tell a couple stories of, of what that practically looks like to tell the gospel? And he goes, can I tell him the gospel after? I'm like, I bet you will, no matter what I say. So go ahead, take the stage, Norm. And Norm stands up there and he goes, so the other week I was eating dinner at Jack in the Box. And I'm thinking, classy, Norm, classy. And so Norm continues, he goes, I'm there at Jack in the Box. And suddenly this man walks in and just starts screaming. And he's causing a ruckus. And I'm thinking, who uses the word ruckus? Norm does. And so he's causing a ruckus and he's just yelling at everybody. And then I could just tell, I could just tell that Norm didn't have a home. Norm was a man without a home. And I immediately was struck in the message because I thought, Norm so abides that his perspective of brokenness is different. Notice he didn't say that man was homeless. He said, that man doesn't have a home. See the difference? Oh my goodness. And so he continues and he goes, you know, so what I chose to do is I just pulled out my Bible. I start reading and I started praying. And here's what I was praying. I was praying, God, that's not your best for him. That's not your best for him. 
What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he said he waited. He's going, that's not. And I'm here to tell you, church, some of you, the way you're living, I know it's fine and good and even culturally accepted, but I bet you this, it's maybe not the best for you. And your gardener is entering in today and saying, you don't have to live like that. I'm really into your best life. Hashtag your best life, quote Jesus. And so Norm says, it's not your best. And it's not your best if you're not abiding. It's not your best. God, what do you want me to do? He said he waited and immediately heard, tell him the gospel. And he goes, perfect, I can do that. And then he did a second follow-up prayer when he went like this. He goes, when? How interesting. Friends, that's a hard prayer. To trust God with timing. Conveniently, the, the guy in the back turns his attention towards Norm and screams, what do you want from me? And Norm goes, I think it's now. I think it's now. <laughs> and Norm, the only evangelism, evangelism means sharing your faith, the only evangelism class he ever took, he took one thing away from it, and it was this, meet people where they're at. So this is why Norm shouts back, let's take it outside. And the guy's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. You know, and so they walk outside, and here's the conversation. Are you ready? It's so good. Norm goes, God loves you, man. And the guy goes, well, I don't care. And he goes, but you keep messing up. But God has something better for you. In fact, the fact that you mess up means you deserve death. And the man turns to him and goes, you don't think I know that? And here's the thing. I think I get scared because I sit in church week after week and I forget it. I deserve to not have this invitation from Jesus. I don't deserve this invitation. And Norm says, you do know it good. That's a good place to start because Jesus loves you. The guy goes, I don't care. He goes, but he came and then he died for you, man. And he didn't stay dead. In fact, he's alive today to prove how powerful he is. And when he came to life, he modeled it for you to give you life, man. And the guy goes, well, I don't care about him. <laughs> and Norm goes, I bet you won't even put your faith in Jesus. And the guy goes, well, I won't. And he goes, I bet you won't. And the guy goes, bye, and leaves. And Norm goes, and so then there's my next story. <laughs> and I'm in the back like, did he mean to just tell us failed story of evangelism? Was that what that was? <laughs> Until I remembered this. I was studying it. Norm knew his part. God calls us to obedience, not results. Friends, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is he entrusted into your care? He does not call you to results or fruit. He's called you to abide and then obey and then to entrust him with the results that only he can accomplish. I asked Norm afterwards, I said, Norm, did you feel the rejection? And he said, no. I'm like, oh, how? <laughs> he said, because it wasn't my love I was giving away. You see, I could get to the end of this message and say, now go love someone, but then you might be doing it on your own fleshly love, which that type of love expects something in return. His love, his fruit, his joy, his peace, his patience, 
his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, and his self-control through you is power, and it is lasting far beyond what your love can do. Don't miss the call to obey. You see, (laughs) Norm loved like Jesus because he abided there. God's love language, by the way, is obedience. You just gotta surrender the outcomes. You gotta take your fists. You gotta open them up. See, because God calls us to love, not transform. He calls us to obedience, not results. May we become the type of community that follows Jesus's lead and enters into other people's stories just as he has entered into yours. May we go to work, but but in the work, may we be a community that surrenders control to the gardener and then obeys his promptings to love. Let's pray. Father, here we are, your branches together that make something really beautiful. And I invite some people in this room, even in this instant, to remain with you right now. Be aware of your presence. It's been the theme of the service. God is here. He hasn't left. Remain in me, Jesus says. Remain in me. Find your life there. I am your life. You'll find me. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to live our best life for you. Be glorified in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children said, would you stand with me and extend your hands? Back in Mother's Day, I got the opportunity to teach you what it meant to give blessing. In fact, uh, you can talk to God, and that's prayer, and you can even bless God with your actions, but you can also bless people with your words. So if you'd extend your hands and simply receive these words, fellow branches, (laughs) may you know that independence is not a virtue for a branch. (laughs) And whether or not you've missed it or just beginning to understand, may you know that your heavenly father really loves you. God, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to not just know this, but to receive it and then to overflow it so generously to people who don't deserve it either. It's in your name we pray. And one last time, all of God's children said in unison, Be blessed. We'll see you next week.